0: Welcome to episode 163 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and today I'm flying solo for our annual spooky season episode, and it's going to be jam packed. A lot of stuff to get to today. So I hope this episode, as always, finds you well. Hopefully, you have a nice pumpkin spice latte, maybe some apple cider, maybe just some of your favorite Halloween candy that you're snacking on while you're tuning in to this episode, and hopefully, you are continuing. ...to sneak in a couple spooky season games before the end of the season. Alan Wake 2 just came out. There's plenty of other spooky stuff to pull off the shelf from your backlog, I'm sure. But if this is your first time listening to the Otaku Brothers podcast... ...let me just take this opportunity to welcome you here to the show. Normally we talk about the games that we've been playing recently... ...anything new and noteworthy in the video game world when it comes to news. And then we also try and sneak in a main segment in the back half of the show as well... And we're going to be doing a little bit of all of that here today. And then at the tail end of the episode, I will tease some of the upcoming episodes with some incredible guests that I have lined up. I'm really excited about the topics that me and these folks will be discussing here in the near future. So certainly stay tuned to the tail end of the episode to hear about that. But let me just kind of kick things off here. So we're going to get to games played. I, of course, have to share my impressions of the other Souls-like game that came out this year, The Lords of the Fallen. We also got Insomniac's follow-up, long-awaited sequel to Marvel's Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2 impressions. I've got those as well. And then Alan Wake 2, a game I was not anticipating to buy, but the reviews were just too freaking good. I couldn't pass it up, so some very brief impressions about that as well. In the middle of the episode, I'm going to be borrowing something that the All Jane Gamers podcast did many moons ago. A little segment called Name That Game. I have 10 games where I pulled about 20 to 30 seconds of audio, all spooky horror game related, I would say. And so definitely get your your pens and paper out so you can make sure that you guess each of those 10 games. And we've got prizes. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you prepare yourself for that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I really enjoyed pulling audio for each of those games and kind of covers the full gamut too. Not just new releases, not just more uh, modern stuff we got some retro games in there as well so stay tuned for that in the middle of the show and then if you'll remember if you've been a long time listener of the Otaku Brothers podcast last year I was planning to do the spooky season episode solo as well and I asked a lot of the listeners to write in with some of the some of the songs that remind them of the spooky season a little segment we called memory of melodies and I ended up getting 4 emails a year ago, and I never forgot about them, even though I never did that episode solo. But I'm doing that episode solo a year later, so I pulled those episodes out of the mailbox, had to dust off the cobwebs a little bit. I will be getting to those at the tail end of the show to bring back the memory of melodies segment. I have three fun songs of my own to share and listen to, so that'll be super cozy, some spoky tones you'll be able to kick your feet up continue to enjoy your beverages and good candy and uh yeah i'm gonna put my dj hat on it'll be a good time so we've got like i said quite a bit to get to in this episode so let's get started talking about the games that i've been playing recently to reiterate something i said on the last episode with my buddy nolan which if you haven't listened to that episode highly encourage you go check that out we talked a lot about starfield and lies of p among many other games but this year is absolutely ridiculous i mean in the same month us getting spider-man 2 a new 2d mainline super mario brothers game and mario wonder we've got alan wake 2 and just around the corner we have mario rpg I think a couple other games as well. It is just out of control how many games are coming out and have come out over the course of this year. I think this will truly go down as one of the best years in gaming uh, of all time, for sure. But if you listen to the last episode, if you've been following me in the Discord and certainly on Twitter, you'll know that Lies of P is certainly a game of the year contender for me. Absolutely loved that game and its Bloodborne-like influences and yeah, I just could not pull myself away from that game. And it's on Game Pass, so no excuse to play it. If you want to hear more of my impressions, go back and listen to the prior episode. But because I was in such a Souls-like mood, they uh, they just keep coming. We got Lords of the Fallen, which those might recall uh, a game of the exact same name came out nearly 10 years ago, back in 2014. This game is developed by an entirely different studio I don't know all of the details of, of how this game's development cycle went, but as I understand it, the previous team that developed the first game was working on this sequel. And for whatever reason, they, I think, dropped the title. A different studio called Hexworks was founded in 2020, and they pick up picked up and kind of ran with the development of the game. And instead of being a true-to-form sequel, they kind of just hit the reset button, and this, and this is meant to be... Uh, an actual reboot of Lords of the Fallen. And it definitely feels like that. I mean, there's certainly pieces of it that seem familiar. I, I played about 10 to 15 hours of, of that original game back on the day on, on PS4, and, and it was okay. My biggest complaint with, with the 2014 Lords of the Fallen is it just felt really heavy and slow um, and kind of uninspired. I think in that era, a lot of games were trying to capitalize... Um, as they are today, but less successful back then trying to capitalize on the, the souls like formula and the original Lords of the Fallen just didn't quite capture me. And, and, and this one, I would say this reboot that came out a couple weeks ago is, is definitely quite a bit better. It's, it's developed in the unreal five engine or unreal engine five. So the environments, the draw distances graphically just looks phenomenal the big caveat there, though, is that it suffers from some serious performance issues at times. I think the first boss I fought when it was kind of transitioning or there was like the opening cinematic. I mean, it looked like the the the, the effects of the character were rendering at like five frames per second. It was pretty bad. And then there there have been several moments where I have just been swarmed by a lot of different enemies. And again, the game just seems to be chugging along. Uh, It's been about a week or two since I've played it, though, because of Spider-Man 2. So maybe uh, I have to imagine the developers are hard at work in in correcting that with patches. But this game seems to be, on the outset, kind of the opening cinematic says that it's set 1,000 years after the events of the first game. After the opening cinematics play out, you get to choose from, I think, like eight to nine different classes. So if Lies of P was very much trying to emulate Bloodborne... Lords of the Fallen is unapologetically trying to emulate the Dark Souls series and that's from its environmental design to how you upgrade your character to I mean just top to bottom this feels very much like a Dark Souls game but I have a lot of a lot of issues with it I'll, I'll kind of get into like the positives and the negatives I mean just from a, a pure gameplay design standpoint what I loved about Lies of P was how much it respected the player's time and just how frequently you were finding shortcuts. I rarely, if ever, lost my way or didn't know where to go next in Lies of P. And that was, again, just a testament to the level design. Lords of the Fallen is almost the complete opposite, and it just does not do a good job of guiding the player. I've consistently had no idea where I was supposed to go next. I've pulled up guides on multiple occasions. And beyond that, the checkpoint system, so think your bonfires and dark souls, Between areas can range from just frustrating to absolutely punishing at times, especially when like Lies of P, you always knew you were about to walk into an arena and begin a boss fight because typically you had to open a door or initiate some type of action that said, hey, if you're not prepared, you don't have enough health potions and stuff like that. Maybe go back to the previous bonfire, you know, get ready to enter this boss fight. Lords of the Fallen is the opposite, where, again, I'm running for my life just trying to find the next um, bonfire equivalent because I've depleted all my potions. I have, like, an entire freaking train of people chasing me because, again, I'm depleted of everything. I just need to get to that next safe haven, that next bonfire. And lo and behold, I'll just stumble into an arena that doesn't really seem... Like it's going to be a boss battle, but then it'll completely gate my progress. A boss will show up and I'll just get annihilated because, again, I have no health. Um, I have no health potions. And then the trek to get back to that boss, again, very frustrating, especially when I just don't feel like this game sprinkles enough breadcrumbs for you to understand where you're supposed to go next. That being said, though, there is something that can make those long treks from previous bonfire to boss or even just bonfire to uh the next area there, there is an item that kind of alleviates some of that that pain and frustration where and i can't remember the the name of it in elder ring but you can basically have a consumable item that there are select areas in the game you can drop it and it acts as kind of like a temporary bonfire for yourself it has the same effects as a normal bonfire where you rest there you can level up there enemies will respawn there when you rest there, all of your potions are kind of replenished. The interesting thing about this mechanic, and I can't remember if it was like this in Elder Ring or not, it's a one-time use in the sense that if you drop this and later in the game you drop another one, the previous bonfire is wiped. The previous temporary bonfire, I should say. So you just kind of have to be strategic about when you're placing those because they cost like 1500 to 2500 souls from a person like in the hub area. So there's a way to kind of farm and get these to uh, ensure that you always have a couple of these with you, but I've definitely screwed myself over where I thought I had one. I got to before a boss, I was ready to kind of plant one of these like little seedling things and I recognized I didn't have one. And so again, the trek back to the previous bonfire, you just, you waste a lot of time. You could potentially lose a lot of souls. So If you are going to play Lords of the Fallen, just something to be mindful of, of making sure that you always have at least two of these things with you, because, again, you use it once you're done. And if you use one, the previous temporary bonfire is wiped. So you definitely have to to kind of be strategic uh, when navigating the world. But the other thing I'll say, too, in similar Dark Souls fashion, where you're walking on these 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 ledges where if you fall, you're falling to your death. The number of times you're cutting corners and someone out of freaking nowhere just comes, kicks you off, shoves you off the edge. Or you might find yourself where there's like these very, very narrow paths where if you fall off and you'll die, you are just overwhelmed with the number of enemies that show up and just keep showing up and just relentlessly pursue you. And and, and that could be frustrating because... Going back to Lies of P, and I can't help but continue to draw comparisons to that because I'm so fresh and fresh off of playing it, is there were areas where you kind of got swarmed with people, but there was a really nice balance between that chaos and being able to run away and and find those moments where you can actually explore You're rewarded with exploring by finding unique items and stuff like that. Whereas Lords of the Fallen, I think, wants you to explore, but it just so consistently punishes you for doing so because in these open areas, there's so many enemies that it's oftentimes difficult to kill all of them and not be overwhelmed and get killed. And then beyond that, even if you do end up killing them all, for the number of times, the the items in, in Lords of the Fallen are marked as these little gold orbs. And in Dark Souls fashion, you know that when you walk walk over to a chest, there's a very real possibility that it's going to be a Mimic. And the Mimic is this basically a box that when you open it up, its giant teeth crushes you and depletes you of a, a pretty significant portion of your health. Whenever you walk over to a gold orb in Lords of the Fallen, I swear it is greater than 50% of the time, this thing picks you up. Eat you and almost certainly deplete you of your entire health bar so again going back to the punishing distances between bonfires you might be steps away from the next bonfire pick up one of these items instant death all the way back to where you were before and and that just gets old really fast when again so many of the other aspects of the game um feel so defeating So something to keep in mind when you're playing the game, as much as I've been kind of like saying how much I don't like it, I'm still really enjoying my time, but it's it's tough to play something like this right off the heels of a Lies of P that I just feel like does everything so well, even though I'm seeing a lot of people online talking about uh, the difficulty balancing in Lies of P and how that game can be punishing. People, you spend a couple hours, Lords of the Fallen, you will be going back to your controller and your TV and apologizing for the number of times you almost threw your controller at your TV or the number of times you were swearing at your TV in Lies of P because Lords of the Fallen will definitely get you throwing the F-bombs and freaking out and uh, just needing to step away. Let's just say that. But I, the other thing I have to say before I move on to the next game about Lords of the Fallen is the, is the one thing that I think sets itself apart from other Souls game and it's the this mechanic where you have both the the normal realm and a dark realm. And so at the very beginning of the game you get this lantern that if you hold it up and highlight a particular area of the world, you can see this this dark realm that sits underneath where you currently exist. So the best way to describe it or draw comparisons to is if you've if you've seen stranger things the upside down. It's the real world, it just looks completely different and it's littered with all kinds of Um, nonsense and dark gross creatures the dark realm in lords of the fallen is similar but basically when you get when you're given this lantern you can highlight areas in the game and you might discover shortcuts in the world or alternative paths to navigating it so in in one swamp like area there was this poisonous water that i couldn't go into because i'd either be subject to a poison effect that would inevitably kill me Uh, But when I cast my lantern on the lake or the swamp, I recognize that in the dark realm, there was no water there. So with the click of a button, you can warp to the dark realm and then navigate, go into that swamp area, discover secrets, find items, and actually get to the next area, unlock your shortcuts, things of that nature. This the, the, dark, the, the use of the lantern is not um, just some side mechanic that adds to discovery of secrets. It is a requirement for navigating the world. And I go back and forth on whether I like the mechanic or not, because when you're in the dark realm, it's kind of a blessing and a curse, a blessing in the sense that, again, you could discover more secrets. You can discover shortcuts in the world. You also, the more time you're there, your XP meter has a multiplier effect. So the longer you're there, you can get up to times three XP for each person you kill. But the longer you wait, the greater the possibility that this Grim Reaper like character continuously uh, shows up in that realm and just annihilates you. I I have yet to kill this person. I've seen guides on a way to cheese killing this person because they drop a particular item that acts as a currency to buy uh, a specific weapon or a specific item. But. My recommendation would be go in the dark realm, get to your next place, discover a couple secrets and find some items and then get the heck out. Because um, there's been more than one occasion where I've been completely screwed over again because I don't know where the hell I'm supposed to go. And you can't you cannot warp back to the regular realm unless you go to a bonfire. That's the soft reset for that. The other thing to mention is if you're in the regular realm, and hopefully people are are staying with me, I know this is a little confusing, but when you are in the regular realm, you have a second chance if you die, either to regular enemies or to a boss. So if you're in a boss battle, you're in the regular realm, you run around learning the moves and the mechanics of the boss, maybe you deplete him of half of his health, and then the boss kills you, you immediately go into the dark realm with half of your health depleted. And you have a second chance at life to keep going and fighting. So it, it sounds like, oh, wow, that, that that must make the game pretty easy, always having a second chance. But trust me when I say that uh, the bosses and all of the surrounding enemies make it just as punishing as if you didn't have a second chance. So, um, yeah, I, I go back and forth on on whether this adds a tremendous amount of value to the overall gameplay and experience. Certainly differentiates itself from prior Souls games. But I go back and forth on whether or not I'm actually enjoying that Dark Realm aspect because I've just been screwed over so many times uh, with its mechanic. And uh, again, it it just further confuses how you're supposed to navigate the world and discovering where you're supposed to go next. But all in all, I don't regret getting it. I'm enjoying my time with it. It is very much, again, unapologetically Dark Souls. And because it's been quite some time since we've gotten a a true to form uh, Dark Souls 1, 2, or 3, I know we've gotten Elden Ring since then, but this really is scratching that itch. I would really recommend folks wait for a game fly sale or for this to drop to about $30. Um, I, I had a GameStop gift card that someone got me for my birthday earlier in the year. So I ended up paying about $20 for this. So for me, that was a a great asking price, uh, to to get in and enjoy the 20 to 25 hours I've spent with it to this point. The last thing I'll also mention is that you can play through the entirety of this game co-op, with a friend, which is precisely what I'm going to do with Ryan. Uh, I've gotten to a point in the game where I am just getting completely screwed uh, on the bosses that I'm fighting and and the areas that I'm exploring. And I think this game would be so much more fun. It would probably, again, I haven't played co-op with Ryan yet, but I really believe this will catapult itself into my top 10 games of the year when playing with a friend, because Misery loves company and you are going to be miserable many times playing this game solo. Uh, But again, in true dark souls fashion, uh, something is there that wants you to, to keep coming back, trying to fight that boss because it is so satisfying when you eventually persevere, but Lords of the fallen pretty good. Definitely doesn't anywhere near reach the heights of, of lies of P for me, but enjoyable nonetheless. I think an admirable follow-up to their 2014 game, but I'd wait for a sale. I'll save Spider-Man 2 for last just in case people want to completely avoid spoilers and skip over that part of the segment, even though I'll keep it spoiler-free. Uh, I'm going to start with Alan Wake 2. I, like I said at the top of the episode, did not anticipate buying this game day one. I actually, because it was free on PlayStation Plus many months ago, I I downloaded or I installed Alan Wake Remastered on my PlayStation 5 The night before it released or maybe it was the night before the reviews for Alan Wake 2 went live because I think the reviews didn't go up until Thursday and the game came out Friday. So obviously in those types of situations, you always wonder like, oh, wait, are the developers trying to hide something? And then beyond that, I think I think reviewers didn't get codes until like Sunday or just a couple days before, like less than a week before. The review embargo and for a game that has been this long in the waiting from the previous game i think it's been 13 years since the original alan wick came out 13 years people oh my gosh that's crazy to me because i had to go back to my youtube channel and see did I did I review that game or did I did I post an unboxing for the collector's edition? And, and I did. I, I posted a uh, in all its 240p glory. Go and check out Ari Lewis 2011's unboxing of the Alan Wake collector's edition on Xbox 360 back in the day. And, and I really enjoyed my time with the original Alan Wake. I know a lot of people draw comparisons to uh, the t- the Twin Peaks TV show. I personally have never seen that, but I did kind of enjoy its almost X-Files, Twilight Zone-type themes and its storytelling. The gameplay at the time didn't really reinvent the wheel or move the needle forward in any meaningful way, but it also was a nice introductory survival horror game that didn't really go the lengths or degrees of scary as something like a Silent Hill or uh, like a Resident Evil you know, 2 or 3. And so I enjoyed it for that aspect, but... I, again, I was more there for the story and the atmosphere than the minute-to-minute gameplay because it got really old using that flashlight to kind of kill the shadowy enemies in the forest, running to your des- next destination, and I think you were just collecting uh, coffee thermoses as I think was the main collectible in that game, and that, and that got kind of old fast, but like I was encouraging my buddy Nolan in the last episode, if you play the remaster, I think it's, you know, it's definitely a time-and-place type of game if you can kind of go into it with that mindset. It has a cult classic status for a reason, and for all of those reasons and more, I think many of us were looking forward to this sequel, especially when they teased it a couple years back. I can't remember if it was an Xbox Game Showcase, Game Awards, or um, at that point maybe it was even E3. I really can't recall, but when Remedy teased this, it was like, oh my gosh, this is going in a completely different direction. Like, if... If you would consider Alan Wake kind of like a soft, maybe horror-adjacent type of game that has more of an emphasis on storytelling and atmosphere than it does actually trying to scare you, Alan Wake 2 seemed to be almost going in the direction of, like, a Resident Evil 7, uh, a, a, a PT, like, really, really trying to scare the living daylights out of you. Um... Yeah, it looked pretty creepy. Even though it's played in the third person, it still seemed to be really digging into those survival horror roots. And so I really stayed clear of a lot of the the gameplay footage. I think there was like maybe some 15 to 20 minute demo a while back that was released. I didn't watch that. A lot of the gameplay trailers I didn't watch either because I I wanted to go into this with as as fresh of expectations and, and, and free of spoilers as possible. And so, as I'm going to say before I I talk about Spider-Man 2, if you are someone who has a heightened sensitivity to spoilers, fast forward a couple minutes. I've literally only played this game for like 45 minutes, so I don't have a whole lot to go off of, but I I do want to give my brief impressions. And so, again, fast forward, I'm not going to go too into the details, but I will be talking about some of the opening moments, so you've, you've been warned. But my goodness. Does this game open uh, and in surprising fashion? I mean, the opening scene is like something right out of an Ari Aster horror movie. If you've seen something like Hereditary or Midsommar, it is freaking weird. Disturbing as all hell and certainly sets the tone for what's to come and really draws a line in the sand and says, hey, Alan Wake 13 years ago. Yeah, we've really left that gameplay design behind we are moving forward in an entirely different direction so you better buckle up strap in and get on this freaking roller coaster ride that we're about to go on and so i i won't go into the details of of who you're playing as what's going on in the world necessarily but i will just say that this game from a game like a minute to minute gameplay standpoint really is going in a different direction in the sense that you're almost in like a true crime documentary You are like Mulder Scully, you know, this is definitely leaning into that kind of investigative nature, your Batman Arkham Asylum when you're in the investigation mode, you know, trying to make sense of what happened. And so based on those opening moments, you're playing as this person investigating the scene, trying to make sense of what happened. So you're picking up on clues around the environment, making these mental notes, again, trying to to figure out. What happened? But where things get really interesting, and I cannot wait to see how this continues to evolve and build on itself deeper into the game, is with the click of a button, as you're making all of these mental notes and discovering evidence at this crime scene, you can then warp back to this log cabin where you have this giant wall where you're putting up these Polaroids and you're trying to connect the dots and understand how the evidence you've discovered, the victim that's been killed, and all your potential suspects fit together. I never played anything like L.A. Noir, but this is really giving me kind of the the vibes and energy of what that game may have played somewhat like. So I'm really curious if, in addition to just discovering clues and trying to piece all that together, if you're also going to be interviewing people, I really have no idea, but very strong first impressions so far. It's, I'm only 45 minutes, so I can't really say it's living up to the hype or anything like that, but Again, I went in with relatively reserved expectations. Having only played the first game, this feels like a true, full-blown sequel. Remedy does not seem to miss, and it's definitely getting me excited to also go back and eventually play Control, because uh, one of my very big, shameful, backlog titles, I've not played Control, and as I understand it, Remedy has somehow thread the needle between all of their different games, and... There's connections between Alan Wake, Control, maybe even Max Payne. I don't even know what the heck's going on anymore. So going to be very interesting. This will be the final uh, spooky season game that I try and sneak in. I do not think I'll finish it before the end of the month because this game is about a 20-hour game. It is a beefy boy for sure. The only thing I'll mention before I move on to Spidey is that this unfortunately does not have a physical copy. It came out on Xbox PC and PlayStation and yeah, no physical edition. We are definitely entering the, the digital media realm. The physical media is definitely being left by the wayside, which is unfortunate, but I don't think that should be a reason for you not to play this game or in any way boycott it because I think remedy has created something incredibly special and I will be sure to have additional impressions on the next episode of the show for sure. And then the final game I'll talk about and the more I think about it, The less I'm going to say about this, and that's Marvel's Spider-Man to one of my most anticipated games coming into this year. If you go back and watch my my top 25 PlayStation 4 game video on my YouTube channel, Spider-Man came in at number four, and on any given day, that could be my number one game on the PlayStation 4. I've played it. I played through it three different times, which is crazy. One on PS4, the remaster on PS5. And then when I was deep into my trophy stuff, I went through it again on Ultimate Difficulty to unlock, I think, like a silver trophy. But I absolutely adore that game. So coming into two, I had very high expectations. And and I would say it it has met most of those. From a storytelling perspective, character development, building upon everything that the first game and Miles Morales set up. I think they completely knocked out of the park. Very few developers nowadays, I think, are penning better stories or creating characters better than Santa Monica Studios, Naughty Dog, and and Insomniac. And and I think Insomniac really solidifies themselves as as a Santa Monica Studios and Naughty Dog caliber uh, team when it comes to writing and character development with Spider-Man 2. I'm so excited to see where they go. Uh, inevitably, with Spider-Man 3. But, yes, very much met my expectations from a storytelling perspective. From a gameplay side of things, flying around the city is better than ever just because they've added this wingsuit for both Peter and Miles. And so, when you're not swinging, you're using this wingsuit to coast around the city and you're just moving at such a quick clip that it makes getting from one side of the city to the other such a joy. I also feel like, Since the PlayStation 5 launched, there's only been a few select games that have made value-add use of the DualSense. Certainly stuff like Astro's Playroom was meant to, I think, showcase the capabilities and features of the DualSense controller. Horizon Forbidden West is another one. Miles Morales did a pretty good job. But I think Spider-Man 2 really takes that to the next level with the DualSense controller, particularly in its puzzle-solving moments. And even during some of the boss battles when you're using the trigger buttons and there's that resistance to, to using your webs. Now, I don't want to go too into the story. I actually am not going to go into the story at all, really. But what I do want to say is that swapping between Peter and Miles and how their stories so seamlessly intersect, I never felt like it was forced. And I also, one of my buddies was texting me that he felt they should have enabled co-op with being able to play between Peter and Miles. And and I would tend to disagree just because when they're, when their stories do intersect, I just don't think it makes sense given the context of what's going on in the story for you to be playing side by side with the buddy. Now, if they did some type of ghost of Tsushima type of thing where they added an actual multiplayer segment and you could like go into warehouses and stealthily navigate those types of situations in a completely separate gameplay mode that might be fun, or tackling some of the side activities, but purely from a focused on the story, I don't think co-op would be fun, and I, I just don't think it would make sense given how this story plays out. Which is not a bad thing, because again, when you swap between the other person, I I, I was getting to a point where I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go back to Miles. I'm ready to go back to Peter, and and, and you kind of ping pong back and forth. Um, with relative frequency and you're never spending too much time with one character in my opinion which i thought was really cool and what i guess was somewhat surprising about the story again not going into specifics of what happened was how it's considerably shorter than the first game i think marvel spider-man 2018 took about 20 to 25 hours to complete depending on how much side stuff you were you know getting involved with And Spider-Man 2, you roll credits in about 12 to 15 hours. And and I can speak to that because I have not really touched any of the side stuff. I really just wanted to focus on the story, get that under my belt because I I knew I wanted to move on to some other games. And then I certainly plan to come back and do more of the side stuff in Spider-Man 2, maybe deeper into November. But definitely worth mentioning, I I think the first game was just so groundbreaking at the time because... We really hadn't had a top-to-bottom superhero game like this since the Batman Arkham games. And Insomniac really just raised the bar, at least for me personally, from how you felt like that particular superhero, just as much as Rocksteady made you feel like you were Batman. Insomniac did the same with Spider-Man back in 2018, and then of course Miles Morales in 2020. And and with this sequel, I, I think it's better just about every conceivable way from a gameplay perspective and Another one of my buddies texted me and said, uh, I don't know, this this kind of feels like a step back to me from Marvel Spider-Man. It just doesn't feel like a true next generation experience. But oddly enough, Lauren, my wife, is is playing through the first game now. And there was one section she's like, hey, can you help me out with this? And I kind of came in and I was, she's, of course, playing on uh, an original PlayStation 4, not a PS4 Pro. And it, it was like night and day how different Spider-Man 2 feels and runs from a performance perspective compared to Spider-Man 1. So, I don't know. For me personally, it feels like a true next-generation experience. I just think that a lot of people have this vision of what Spider-Man 1 felt like, that when you play Spider-Man 2, it might just feel like more of the same. And it is in many respects, but I feel like they've built upon that first game in so many meaningful ways from the minute to minute combat, swapping between miles and, and and Peter, the writing, how invested you get emotionally in the story. And because they had to build up so many different char- characters in the first game, in in the second game, all of that stuff has been established. They really never waste any time with Spider-Man 2. And, and and I appreciated that, even though I loved doing all of the side stuff. And Spider-Man 1, again, I did it twice. I 100% of that game on both PS4 and PS5, did all the warehouses, all the collectibles. Spider-Man 2 has quite a bit less of that stuff. So if if one of your main complaints with Marvel's Spider-Man in 2018 was feels kind of bloated, even though I love the story, I feel like Spider-Man 2 takes the storytelling to the next level and has less of the bloat from the side activity stuff. And and I would even argue that the side activities from what I've dabbled in in Spider-Man 2 aren't quite as engaging as the activities in Spider-Man 1. So it it kind of takes things to the next level from a storytelling perspective, maybe takes a step back from the side activities, but there's less of them. So I think it's still certainly a game of the year contender for me. I have no doubt that when the game awards roll around, Spider-Man 2 is going to be up there with the Tears of the Kingdoms and Baldur's Gate 3s of the world. I've thoroughly enjoyed my time with it. Again, it's I've, I've kind of put it on the back burner for now because I want to play more of Alan Wake 2. But I will definitely be returning to this game deeper into the year as I as I really kind of uh, think about where my, my top 10 games of 2023 are. So lived up to all the expectations for the most part for me. Uh, the reviews seem to to kind of speak the same language. I think it has like a 91 on Metacritic, but uh, I'll kind of table the discussion there for now because uh, one of the people that I'm hoping to have on the show here in the next month, uh, he and I want to do a spoiler-filled discussion of Spider-Man 2. So hopefully at that time, more people have had the opportunity to play it. But again, as always, I'll put uh, things in the show notes and, and warn people before we'd ever get to that level of, of a Spider-Man 2 discussion. But fantastic game. My goodness, have there been no shortage of them here in 2023. But uh, next up, we've got to do something super fun, something we've never done, uh, at least to my to my recollection here on the podcast. But this is a segment we're calling Name That Game. This is something that the Algin Gamers used to do many moons ago. Like I said at the top of the episode, Metal Jesus Rocks would come to the table with... A few different games, he would pull audio from each, and the the other co-hosts would try and guess what game it is, but the stakes are higher this time around because it's only me on the shooter day and all of you, the wonderful listeners out there, with hopefully you've pulled over the car, you have your notepads out, you've got your your sticky notes, your pen and paper, whatever it is that you gotta do to start trying to guess these 10 games that are all I would consider horror or spooky adjacent. And uh, big stakes because we've got prizes. All right. I have a copy of Pokemon Conquest on the Nintendo DS. Yeah, I know that Pokemon Conquest, the one that is going for a ridiculous price on eBay. I've got a spare copy and the first person that can DM me or post in the discord that they got all 10 of these. You are the lucky winner. I'll ship it out to you right away priority shipping it's going to be good times so make sure you you know tune up the audio sit back you are locked in to this name that game segment because you have the opportunity to get yourself an early christmas present uh, a late birthday present potentially i don't know what it's going to be for you but it's pokemon conquest and it's a hell of a ds game so you're going to want this all right so here's how this is going to go down i have 10 games each clip is about 20 25 ish seconds long We're going to go through all of them, one through ten. I'll play the first. There's going to be no hints. I'll move to the next. We'll get through all ten, okay? Give you an opportunity to really lock in your guesses, and then we'll play through all of them one more time. But after I play through the clip the second time, I'm going to be mentioning what the game it's from, and that is what I need from you. What game is this clip from, okay? Y'all ready for this? This is going to be amazing. I can't wait. And I really have no idea how this is going to work because this is the first time and I'm doing it solo. Uh, So we're just going to roll with it. Roll with the punches. And uh, yeah, so make sure you have your pen and paper. And you can always, of course, rewind the episode a few seconds. Continue to listen to the clip over and over and over again until you figured out where you're going to lock in your final Jeopardy answer for each of these 10 Name That Game clips. All right. With that being said, my friends, let's roll in to the first clip here. For the Name That Game, Otaku Brothers Spooky Season Edition. Did I mention there's going to be a couple softball audio clips before we get into like the really difficult stuff? Yeah, I don't want to throw you all to the wolves right away. okay? I want to ease you in to this name that game segment. So we might have a couple in here that all you're all listening in your cars or you're listening at home and you're like, Rusty, come on, who do you think I am? An amateur gamer? I'm a capital G gamer and I know exactly what that clip is from. But maybe you don't. And that's okay too, because we're all friends here. We're here to have fun. So. You have been warned. We've got a couple easy ones because I got to throw you a bone and then we'll get into the harder stuff. So let's go ahead and get into the second clip. I know all my capital G gamers out there are just laughing at me and just think they have this in the bag and they're going to get that copy of Pokemon Conquest set to them overnight. But can you imagine not having played that game ever and you just heard that clip for the first time? Try and put yourself in those people's shoes. It'd be weird. It'd be really freaking weird. But, anyways, I digress. We got to keep going along. That was game clip number two. We are about to play game clip number three. <laughs> <laughs> Dang! I don't know if I have any headphones listeners out there. Any Any Otaku Brothers headphones listeners? That clip was awesome. Hearing stuff in both sides of the ear. Good freaking stuff. The sound design in that game is fantastic. But that's all I'll say because we got to keep going along. That was again clip number three. We are moving into clip number four. I know there's at least one person out there listening to these clips and just thinking to themselves, like, "What does Rusty think I am? I, I I know all of these Three seconds in, I know the answer to these. Yeah, well, you know what? We're here to have fun. Like I said, so because I know there's probably some people out there that have no idea what the heck is going on in these past couple of clips. And again, that is okay too. You capital G gamers, just relax. I know I'm gonna stump. i I know I'm gonna stump people on at least one of these at least one of these so everyone is going to not know one of these that's my goal anyways but we'll we'll see how this plays out here we go clip number five right how we feeling we're halfway through people that was the first five now we are going to be doing the backed five clips i, I think these are going to stump more people than the first five could just be me could be completely wrong and all of you folks out there are going to continue crushing it but uh we will see here is clip number six Right. That was number six. Here we go with clip number seven. Now, I'd be curious to know how many times people are playing the back 10 seconds, back 10 seconds to re-listen to these clips. If you're making tallies, I'd be curious to know how many times you listen back to each of these clips before you lock in your final answer. But with that being said, let's get into the, I think this is the eighth clip. Yeah, this is the eighth clip here. Let's check it out. I had to catch some people off guard, definitely a little bit, a little bit of a different tune than what we've been listening to previously. So curious if I, if I stumped anyone with that particular selection, but let's keep going along here. We've got two more clips to, to listen to. And then we get, well, again, we'll go through all of these one more time where I will be revealing the actual name of the game after each second. Listen of the clip, but well, let's check out game number nine. Man, hell of a guitar riff in that one for sure. But uh, we've come to the very end of the Name That Game segment, folks. We have one more clip to listen to. And then again, one more time through all of these and I will reveal the name of each game. But Let's take a listen to the final game of this segment. Now, if I'm going to stump anyone on these 10 game clips, I think that would be the one. So I'm curious if anyone could get that one. It's a bit of a deep cut, but but a good one nonetheless. So let's go ahead. Hopefully you have all of your selections locked in. I'm not going to play the entire clip for these this next run through of this. Again, you can go back, rewind the episode a bit to listen to the entirety of those 10 clips to to figure out which game you think it could be. I'm going to play about maybe 10 seconds of each of these and then reveal each one. So remember, have your picks locked in. This is a bit of an honor system because, again, I have no way of validating whether or not you're not just cheating and sending me uh, kind of a confirmation of, hey, Rusty, I got all 10 of them. But I know, big, big, big sticks here. Just remember, we got prizes at hand, state-of-the-art prizes, Pokemon Conquest on DS, okay? So just remember that. Big prizes on the line as we go through this re listen and I reveal each of the game names. So let's go ahead and take a listen to clip number one that I played earlier. Now, that was about as softball as they come when it comes to opening this up and just trying to ease people into this. That is, of course, the Halloween Town theme. But which Kingdom Hearts game is it from? Is it one? Is it two? Is it one of the side games? It was Kingdom Hearts 2 from the 2.5 HD remix. I would also accept Kingdom Hearts 1 in this particular instance because unless you're Chrono Link 9-1, I don't think you could have a good enough ear to be able to tell the difference of whether this was from a Kingdom Hearts 1 versus 2 when you're in Halloween Town in both of those games. So I will accept Kingdom Hearts 1 or 2, but for the record, it's from the 2.5 HD Remix. So with that being said, let's go ahead and take a listen to clip number 2. One of my favorites on the N64, that is, of course, Banjo-Kazooie, the mad monster mansion level Grand Kerkope, you wizard, over there just doing good stuff, composing great soundtracks. But yeah, that was Banjo-Kazooie, a game I beat for the first time earlier this year on the the Xbox Live Arcade on my Series X. So, so see, how we doing, people? That's two games, are we two for two? O for two, one for one? The possibilities are endless, but only one lucky person is gonna get a copy of Pokemon Conquest. So let's let's keep going. Let's keep going. keep keep your score sheets handy. Let's listen to game clip number three. Now, this one could have stumped people a little bit. You had to be very particular when you were listening. This is The Last of Us, but is it part one or two? And you'll know because you hear a man kind of grunting when he's performing the kill. And that, of course, is Joel, which means this is The Last of Us part one. I actually pulled this from the remake on PlayStation five. So so, yeah, The Last of Us part one, the remake, that's game clip number three Let's get into game clip number four. Now, for anyone familiar with this game, and especially if you played the remake that came out earlier this year, this one... Should have been a pretty easy one for you, especially with the the person, uh, the, like the villager with the Spanish. This, of course, is Resident Evil Four, and I also pulled this from the remake that came out earlier this year. Excellent game, one of my personal favorites. And also, you have like the the money, a uh, little like sound effect when you pick up the money. Uh, Leon kicking someone, a couple notable sound bites in there that should tip you off that this is this is Resident Evil Four uh, again. Four or the remake, whichever one you had written down, it counts. Give yourself a point. Give yourself a pat on the back, all right? My capital G gamers out there, you're doing well. But uh, we got to keep going along here. We've got clip number five. Let's tune in. You know, you forget how incredible the sound design is in a lot of these games until you actually have to pull audio and balance it out and everything like that. My goodness, this is also from one of my personal favorites. We hope that there's some type of remaster coming for the PS5. That's none other than FromSoft's Bloodborne. And a couple things that could tip you off for that. I mean, certainly the footsteps when you're slashing an enemy, the sound effect of that and when the enemy dies... The Blood Echoes being released or the Souls level equivalent if you've played Dark Souls. And then, of course, you have the Bell Tower in the distance going off. A lot of those things, subtle hints that this could be Bloodborne, and it is, in fact, exactly that. Again, another one of my personal favorites, such a banger of a game, and what and I'm due for a replay. I just, I don't want to jump the gun too fast and, and play the original version because I have to believe that someone is hard at work remastering that game for PlayStation 5. Maybe remaking it. Who knows? Maybe, maybe that'll be... Can you imagine Demon Souls remake? A launch game for PS5. Bloodborne remake for PlayStation 6 here in like five years or so. Six years? Seven years? Whenever the next console launches. That'd be pretty sweet. I'd be down for it. But yes, that was game number five. That was Bloodborne. We are halfway through. We've got five more clips to re-listen through, so let's keep going. Now, this comes from a game that I have not personally played, also remade, and also came out earlier this year. If you can remember or recall back to January of 2023, Dead Space, the remake, released back then. And that is what this clip is from. I, again, have not played this, so I can't really tell you any kind of signature sounds. Although, those that have played the game, maybe there was something in that clip that kind of tipped you off. Like, oh yeah, that is for sure Dead Space. Maybe you just have a good ear for video games and you knew that that's exactly what that was from. But yes, that is the Dead Space remake clip number six. Let's go to clip number seven. Another favorite game of mine that is from Bioshock. And I think there's a lot of things in that clip to kind of tip you off. We've got, of course, the splicer making the the, the signature noises that she or those types of enemies do. You have the, the drone that's kind of following you around the propeller in the background. And it's kind of alarm system going off when it spots an enemy. The signature sound design of the guns in Bioshock. You picking up items. I try to get a little bit of everything in there. kind of chaotic. I know there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on in that clip, but hopefully uh, those that are familiar with Bioshock were able to kind of pick up on that. And that is the first game. So if you said Bioshock 2, I'd probably include it. Bioshock Infinite, I would say no, because I think I think the sound design in those games, while similar, are still distinct. So that is from the original Bioshock. Absolute banger of a game. Remasters of that are out there as well. And uh, I think they're on sale right now on both PlayStation and Xbox. If you don't have them, pick them up. Some of the best. Some of the best first-person shooters out there. But let's go to clip number eight. We're getting near the end, my friends. I'm curious where people are at. Again, get in the Discord. Let us know. If you're not in the Discord, click the link in the show notes and join the fun discussion. But for now, let's listen to clip number eight. Now, this could have been tough for folks that are not familiar with the film that this game is based on because there's a very particular theme song embedded in that kind of 8-bit sound clip because this is from the NES era, and that is none other than Ghostbusters on the NES. So, a game I haven't played, but I figured, hey, let's let's show the retro scene some love. Let's sneak a clip in here from the NES. And uh, yeah, we landed on Ghostbusters, so I'm wondering curious did any of the listeners playing along also land on ghostbusters as your final pick if you're not familiar with the movie you don't know the theme song you probably didn't get that so uh yeah sorry for you if you are in that camp but we've got two more clips to re-listen to and then uh yeah i'll be awaiting folks in the discord to let me know whether or not you were the person that got a 10 out of 10 score and you could be the lucky winner again of a copy of pokemon Conquest on the nintendo ds big prizes people we don't mess around here on otaku brothers so let's keep moving along here clip number nine <laughs> Now, while I've never played this particular game, and I think if other folks haven't either, the soundtrack alone should be somewhat of a giveaway to at least the franchise of games, and that's the Castlevania series. Just because of that electric guitar, those riffs, the kind of the beat-em-up nature of a lot of those Metroidvania type of games. But this one in particular, which one is it? I'm sure a lot of people out there know, some might not know. This is Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, originally on the PlayStation 1. Another shameful backlog title. I don't have a physical copy, but it's since been, I think, somewhat remastered. You can get it digitally on storefronts like Switch, PlayStation, and Xbox. And uh, yeah, this is definitely one I'm looking forward to playing at some point because, dang, if that soundtrack doesn't kick major ass. And uh, yeah, who doesn't love a good Metroidvania, Castlevania type of game? So yeah, that is Symphony of the Night, game number 9. We are about to play game clip number 10, people. I'm sure a lot of people are anxious to hear what this final one was. This is the one that I tried to stump people on the most. Let's take a listen. Now, if you got the other nine games, I, I wouldn't be too surprised. Again, not too many deep cuts there. This one, I would le- be legitimately impressed if someone out there knew what this game is from. Gosh, do I give any hints before I go ahead and reveal it? We'll just say that I think people wouldn't get it until unless one you recently played this game. And you're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's this or you're very familiar with the game's soundtrack, which I highly doubt people are. The only other giveaway and the reason why I played the entirety of the clip again is because there's a, a little sound bite at the very end that should help to lead people to what this game actually is. And it's that sharpening sound when it sounds like a blades being sharpened. That is a scythe being pulled out. That is, that, that is the character switching from the ray gun sound that you heard to the scythe weapon. And that is none other than a little PSP I would consider a little favorite of mine. Death Junior. Death Junior, people. Who the heck got that? Probably very few of you. I, I would legitimately be impressed. So, again, get at me in Discord. Get at me in Discord. So, again, if you got all 10 of those and you were the first person to send me a note, again, it has to be public. Go to the announcement section. After I post the episode, let me know if you got all 10. Don't spoil it for people. Don't post your list. Although, maybe send me a DM, a picture of your list because I'm curious people actually took notes and I will send you a copy of Pokemon conquest on the Nintendo DS. Now, I I don't think I mentioned this at the top of the segment, uh, but the game actually comes in a generic GameStop sleeve and I've unfortunately misplaced the cartridge, but just know, Hey, I'm a man of my word. I'm going to still send you the lucky winner, the GameStop generic sleeve, that the cartridge was once in. I'll ship it out. I'll even sign the thing. That'll make for a nice treasure in anyone's game collection. If you ask me. Alright. So. Thank you so much for playing. The Otaku Brothers. Name that game. Spooky Season Edition. If people enjoyed this one. We will certainly do this more often in the future. I had a lot of fun. Kind of figuring out which games I wanted to pick. Of course. Kind of trying to do a difficulty balance. With some easy ones in the beginning. Tougher in the middle. And then throwing you a Death Junior at the end. To really shake things up. So. Hopefully it was fun. Again, we've got big prizes all the time. Nothing but the best here for our listeners at a Talking Brothers. So, more fun. Name that game segments in the future. Can't wait to do it. But you know what? I also can't wait to do listen to some freaking banger songs that are spooky season themed. Again, I've got three. We've got a couple listener emails from a year ago that we're gonna pull. We're gonna listen to some of the music that they submitted to us. It's gonna be a pretty chill, relaxed time. But my goodness. I need more water, might need a little bit more coffee to finish up this episode, so go and do the same, and then we'll get into our memory of Melody's special segment, Spooky Season Edition. out there or maybe folks that haven't heard us done the memory of melody segment before a brief introduction is in order this is really an opportunity for us to listen to some music some tunes that remind us of a particular theme maybe it's a season halloween christmas time maybe it's a franchise kingdom hearts final fantasy and oftentimes we tell stories associated with those tunes so get around the campfire tell some stories of why a particular song makes us feel all good inside And that's exactly what we're going to do today, except we're kind of not because I'm more just going to kind of play these songs, maybe have a a few words to share about them, but less, less of a deep dive on the stories just because it's just me. It's just all of you. And I still think it's going to be really fun times. And like I said at the top, we've got four emails to get through. One from our good friend, Josh Prep, one from my good friend, Sean. He was on the podcast about 10 or so episodes ago. And uh, then we've got one from ChronoLink91, frequent writer, frequent sender of audio questions. And then my main guy, my forever co-host, Ryan, wrote in as well. And like I said at the top as well, I have three songs to kind of splice in between these other emails. So we're going to kick off with one of my tunes. And this is from a game that I don't think you would traditionally point to as being horror-adjacent spooky related, but I think there's certainly some undertones that might give spooky vibes, and that is the Professor Layton series. And I remember a couple days ago there was this trend going on on Twitter, or X, however you choose to uh, tag that particular app, and a good friend of mine that I've known for years through YouTube, Steph's Too Deaf, she posted this kind of uh, trend that it was share a game title or a game cover, so basically the cover art for a game that needs no introduction because the 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 cover art itself speaks for itself. And she posted the picture of the cover art for Professor Layton in the Unwound Future, my personal favorite Professor Layton game. And it just got me really nostalgic for those games. I played uh, Unwound Future. I think I may have played first and then I went back to Curious Village and then I played Diabolical Box and I, I never played another game in the Layton series. So I'm very much looking forward to this new latent game coming to switch. Um, I I anticipate that'll be for the, the, the second switch or whatever, whatever the successor console is, but looking forward to returning to that series for sure. And it got me really remembering just how good the music was in that game or those, those series of games. And so I went on YouTube and was trying to find, um, well, really I was just reminiscing on, on how great the music is across that original trilogy. And I came across this remix that kind of ties in some electric swing, it is pretty freaking good. You'll be tapping your toe. It's just the good stuff. So let's take a listen. This is Professor Layton in the Curious Village, Layton's theme, electric swing. Only thing that could have made that song better is if just before the bass drops, you have Professor Layton say, "Every puzzle has an answer," and then boom, bass drop. Excellent tune. Glad I found that. Hopefully, all of you listening out there enjoyed it as well. And hey, if anyone's getting married and any anytime soon, that would be a heck of a game to open up the dance floor after the opening ceremonies and the reception begins. That'll get people out there. That'll get people out on the dance floor for sure. But We got to keep moving along here because we've got plenty of music to still listen to. And the first thing we have to pull up is an email from a good friend of the show, Josh Prep. You might be hearing from him on the show later in the very near future as well. But he says on October 28th, 2022, a year ago, almost to the day. Good evening, Otaku brothers, Josh Prep here. And I'm excited to share some spooky music memories of mine. While I'm not exactly someone who wants to play horror games at will all the time, I can at least provide examples for games that have spooky levels and themes and maybe the occasional horror game. First, the first game that came to mind is Scooby-Doo Night of a Hundred Frights on PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. Now, Josh is speaking my language. If you want to get your email read on the show, send in some licensed jank from back in the day. Those licensed games are my jam. While it's aged well as a licensed game from that generation, he goes on, it's not something that I'd recommend you jump on to play right away. When I had this game with my PlayStation 2, I didn't have a memory card for a while, which meant I had to replay the first hour of the game repeatedly until my parents finally let me have one. Because of this, uh, because of that, this song from Night of a Hundred Frights is engraved in my memory and is a perfect song to associate with spooky melody memories curious i'd love to hear from people in the discord if there's a game like that for you because we've all been there our memory card's full we didn't have a memory card we were at a friend's house and we forgot our memory card whatever the situation was and you had to replay the opening moments of a game or maybe you had a demo disc and you played the same level over and over and over and over again and a song is engraved in your memory or maybe it's just again a particular level i'd have to do some thinking about that but i'm curious if a game comes to mind for others. But with all that being said, let's pull up this song from Scooby-Doo Night of 100 Frights on the PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. Anytime you want to add some spice to a song, maybe give it a little bit of a spooky flair. I think the organ is a great instrumental choice for sure. And a great pick, Josh. I like it. I don't think I've played Night of a Hundred Frights. I did play look at my N64 collection. Classic, classic Creep Capers, I think is the name. The black cartridge over there. That was, um. I feel like when you were running around in that game, it was as if you were on ice, but... A solid blockbuster rental back in the day for sure. And I think I have the entirety of the Scooby-Doo collection on PS2. It's just a matter of getting around to those. Those would be fun to play with kids someday. But anyways, again, great pick, Josh. Thank you for sending that one in. His next one here to tee it up. Next is another classic licensed game from the Super Nintendo era this time. And it has aged way better than the last entry. And it's called a goof troop. I spent so many times playing this game co-op with plenty of friends when I was young and through college. This track is later in the the game where you are in a castle with animated knights and giant bugs crawling around, but I feel like it really helped create spooky vibes while in this level. Well, you probably should have put some some warnings for spoilers for Goof Troop there, Josh, but maybe I'll consider editing out this in post. But anyways, this is a song from Goof Troop when you're in a castle being chased by giant bugs. Let's take a listen. Oh, oh, if you ever played that game for more than an hour it would be impossible not for that song to be ingrained into your brain it's like for the number of hours you've played mario brothers sonic banjo kazooie donkey kong 64 diddy kong racing mario kart whatever it is those songs play so consistently and especially for those platformers where you are just running to the left to the right trying to make sense of where you're supposed to go finding those collectibles those songs just get ingrained into your brain like no other genre so uh, very good pick Love it. I've not personally played Goof Trip, but I do, I do love me some Super Nintendo tunes. So thank you for sending that one in. He sent four songs. We're only going to get to three just because we've got some other emails to get to, Josh. I hope you'll forgive me. I'll definitely post that final fourth song in the Discord for sure. But last, certainly not least, he says, If we are talking about spooky games, it's hard not to mention the Castlevania franchise. My first step into the franchise was Order or sorry, it's been a long time since I've read emails, so I apologize. My first step into the franchise was Order of Ecclesia on the DS. Looking back, this was not the the best first one to jump into given how challenging it is to the point I've never actually beaten the game. Despite how much I struggle with the game, this track when you fight Albus as your boss fight before heading to the castle is such a treat to the ears, and I want to make sure you all experience its wonderful horror vibes especially with this cover by the YouTube channel Game Metal. So this must be like a a metal rendition cover of uh, of this song. And yeah, I've never played Order of Ecclesia. I heard it was hard as hell. Portrait of Ruin may have been a better place for you to start there, Josh, but hopefully uh you've been able to play some of the other games in the Castlevania franchise and uh maybe you can go back to Order of Ecclesia and tackle it now as an adult. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, let's take a listen to this song from Order of Ecclesia on the DS. josh if that didn't give you the motivation and pump up you needed to get through the rest of the game maybe you're just an amateur gamer my goodness that was an excellent excellent pick wow i need to play some freaking castlevania or learn how to play the guitar after listening to that song very good stuff thank you so much for writing in josh like i said i will be posting your fourth and final track in the discord always appreciate when you write in it does not go unnoticed i promise you that next up we have our good pal friend of the show Sean, he was on about 10 episodes ago. I think it was, the episode title was Corporate Dropouts Podcasting Debut. Go check it out from last year at some point. Sean says, Hey Otaku fam, as an established Sega fanboy, I have to make sure everyone's favorite hedgehog is represented for spooky season. This jam pairs with Sonic and Tails run through the Mystic Cave Zones, a level filled with bad Nick, the term for Dr. Robotnik's robots, versions of lightning, bugs, mosquitoes, and snakes, as well as enough traps, trap doors, and hidden paths to rival any haunted house. While not specifically Halloween-themed, this track has great 16-bit spooky vibes that are sure to keep you coming back every time you and Tails fall into that. Into the inescapable Spike Pit. Oh my, Blinko Pit. If you're, uh, if you're out there on... Our good pal Blink's Twitch streams. Spam the Blinko Pit emote there. All right, let's take a listen. This is Mystic Cave Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Sean, I'm trusting you that this is a good song. Classic, catchy, even a little bit creepy. Great pick, Sean. Thank you so much for sending that in. And he is a resident Sega fanboy. I know there's a couple listeners out there that love love the old Sega Genesis. And Sean might be coming up later in the show, too, as we talk about what the uh, future episodes and guests that we might have. So stay tuned for that. But next up, we've got our good friend, ChronoLink91. You know he likes to write in. You know he likes to correct us. We have a segment called Chrono's Correction Corner, that is uh, really just because of the number of times Crono has written in and said, Hey, you big buffoons. And then he proceeds to correct us. But I digress. His email here, Halloween song, Your Reality, DDLC. I hope he spells that out later in the email. He says, there are a lot of lots of pieces of music that remind me of the spooky times of year. Honestly, October is an, uh October is early in the school of the year and there were always exciting games to play on weekends and during small breaks for parent-teacher conference days or the teacher convention that normally happened this time of year. I never played much in terms of horror games growing up, so much of my taste in spooks comes from the things of Kirkope or Kondo. Oh my gosh, what is this word? It's not curve. I almost thought he did a typo. I don't even know how to pronounce this chrono. I'm going to need to phone a friend.
1: Yes, this is a word of French origin, as well as how it is said in different, in different manners in English. So for reference in French, this is said as Au revoir. Au revoir. it designates a work of art, of course,
0: of course, indeed. I can always count on Julian and a quick YouTube search to figure out that kind of stuff. And I can always count on ChronoLink91 nine, one to be a far more cultured man than I am. So thank you so much there. Chrono for uh, teaching me something. I mean, I'm familiar with the word, but I just don't know how to pronounce it. So thank you. Anyways, he goes on, as I got older, I tended to play different kinds of games like Resident Evil or Castlevania, usually around this time of year to help get in the mood of it all. I could pick music from those games or even music from Deadly Premonition, a weird, wild game I played in college around September, October. But I think I need to highlight something more unconventional in true Link 9-1 fashion. Your reality from Doki Doki Literature Club. OK, there's the DDLC. It's kind of a spoiler that this game is a horror game, but knowing only that alone shouldn't spoil the fun and surprises the game has. I think it's a great experience to have, and that everyone who hasn't had it who hasn't had it at all spoiled already should absolutely play it. It also has fantastic music. I won't say any more, but I played it the October it came out, and your reality has been in my head every year, this time of year, since. It's cute, but sad and melancholy. And it's a very Chrono Link 9-1 pick. Look forward to everyone else's choices, Alec. Well, hey, I'd expect nothing less from you, Alec, all right? I, I, I want you to be true to yourself, as we always do here on the Otaku Brothers podcast. But let's take a listen to your reality from Doki Doki Literature Club.
1: that special day.
0: You know, some part of me wanted to stop that song as soon as that person started singing to have a little bit of a gag, a little bit of a joke, me laughing, because that is quite the unconventional pick indeed. But you know what? No, that is a lovely tune. I think just as Chrono described it, he described it perfectly. And I just have to appreciate how unapologetically himself Chrono Link 9-1 is. That's why we're friends. That's why he's such a great friend of the show. And that's why we listen to the entirety of that track. So Excellent stuff, Chrono. Thank you so much for writing in. And thank you for being you. I've never played Doki Doki Literature Club, but now I might have to. At the very least, I'll be revisiting that tune rather consistently. So good stuff. And I think what we're going to do is I'm going to hold on to my second pick for a future spooky memory of melodies. And we're going to read Ryan's email as the final email here. And then I'll fade out the show with my final pick. Okay, how does that sound, people? I'm waiting for a response. I assume all of you are saying, yes, Rusty, that sounds terrific. Let's do do that. All right, so final email here. We have Ryan, my forever co-host and brother-in-law. He says, hey, bro, the end of the spooky season is upon us. I would call it a success with us beating Infliction, Extended Cut, and Outlast, which we did do last year. If you're looking for some creepy-ass games to play, Infliction Extended Cut is right up there with Resident Evil 7 in terms of just scaring the holy heck out of you. And Outlast, oh my gosh, people chasing you around, hiding in lockers, no weapons to use. Good stuff, but it's spooky. Anyways, Ryan goes on, As you know, I'm not the biggest fan of scary games, but will happily watch someone else play them. Scary movies, on the other hand, I eat that shit up. Which is true. I think he watched like all four paranormal activity movies in like a single day. Guy's Crazy. But we love him. He says, as far as my song goes, it comes from one of my limited scary game experiences as a youth. Picture five teenage boys huddled in a dark basement. <laughs> you know, the way this sentence started, Ryan, uh, I was worried where you were going with that. That was, uh, yeah, I might have had to edit that out in post and just completely rewrite this email for you. Anyways, five teenage boys in a basement somewhere scared to go around a corner because a female child with long hair is waiting to terrify you. Whether it's the grudge girl, the ring, or the child from the game Fear, all of the scariest things involve long-haired children. The game Fear has, uh, has a solid slow-mo gun play and interactions with the paranormal that keep you on edge. I can't remember if we ever beat the game, but one session ended with my friend's dad screaming from behind us during a tense moment, causing some pants to be changed. For that reason, the Fear theme is my spooky song, Enjoy the DJ Session. Peace from the RuneScape God. Ryan, thank you also for being unapologetically yourself. We love you. And this is, again, the the theme song from Fear. And yeah, let's cue this up. Well, that was scary as shit and not really motivating me to want to play the fear games anytime soon, but I think I, I think I have the first two on PlayStation 3, so I need to get around to doing that. Ryan, I might need to have you over, hold my hand a little bit, and uh, yeah, we can relive your your high school memory of being in a basement with other teenage boys. But thank you once again to everyone that wrote in, Josh Prep, Chrono, Sean, and of course, Ryan. Very much appreciated. If you ever want to write into the show, you have a topic that you want us to cover in a future show you have an audio question you want to send in honestly whatever it is anything that makes the show better you can do that by writing into at at otakubrotherspodcasts at gmail.com the link to that is in the show notes as well if you ever want to do that we'd very much appreciate it again we're always looking to spice up the show and uh, cover new topics that we haven't before so if you have any ideas for us please get at us and if you're not in the discord already please do that that link is in the show notes as well Always have fun discussions. And if you want to send in your results from the Name That Game segment, you have to be in the Discord, okay? So get in there. It's awesome. We'd love to have you. But that is a wrap for the annual Otaku Brothers Spooky Season episode. I hope this episode found you well. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, really curious to see and hear if people enjoyed the, the Name That Game thing. Because uh, if you enjoyed that segment, we'll definitely do that uh, more going forward. And similar to Memory of Melodies, we can theme it around game releases like Final Fantasy or Resident Evil, Spooky, Christmas Time. I don't know. We'll get creative with it, it should be fun. But as I said at the top of the episode, what's coming down the pipeline for Otaku Brothers? We have at least three episodes lined up with three different guests that I'm pretty pumped up about. Next weekend, I'm actually recording an episode with a good friend of the show, won't tease who it is, but he has been mentioned on the show to this point, and we're going to be talking about the future of Nintendo. There's been a lot of rumors going around about the next Switch or Nintendo's next home console, so we're going to talk hopes, dreams, realistic expectations for the console, franchises we'd like revitalized, revitalize, and just general features we want to see with the console, because if you look at... Nintendo's track record they tend to have like a Wii and then a Wii U and then a Switch that's crushing it so is this are we destined to have a Wii U next generation for Nintendo who the heck knows I I don't I don't foresee Nintendo losing steam at this point they are just unstoppable in my opinion but very curious to uh, to see what's next it should be fun but yeah my fun my friend and I are going to talk all about that in the next episode and I'll of course because we've not had this person on the show to this point. Pick their brain about their humble beginnings playing games. You know, as we do always when we have new guests on the podcast. The next episode, I'm having a very good friend of mine that I've known for years. He also has never been on the show. I want to really pick his brain about Spider-Man 2, do a deep dive spoiler cast. And he's also hard at work on Alan Wake 2 right now. So we might do a deeper dive discussion on that game. And he's also someone that is as big a fan of Assassin's Creed as anyone. So maybe we'll try and find a way to have an engaging conversation that doesn't lose the audience about how to get into the Assassin's Creed series. If you don't have any interest, if you fell off after a previous game, whatever it might be, we'll find a way to make it interesting. And then last but certainly not least, another friend of mine that I've mentioned on this show, we're going to be doing a Destiny Island challenge centered around the Sega Dreamcast, a console I have no familiarity with, but he had it as a kid or as a youth, as Ryan said. And so should be interesting to uh yeah, return to that segment and talk all things Sega dreamcast. But with that being said, I want to again thank everyone for listening to this episode. Get at us in Discord, write us an email if you want us to cover a future topic. And last but certainly not least, Ryan in his email had an honorary fun fact. Because you know, my co-host, that's typically at the tail end of the show when I When I toss things over to him and say, hey, do you have any parting words or fun facts for our listeners? And he does, and it's spooky season themed. He says in his email, you can actually be scared to death. If you can't calm down after the initial adrenaline rush that comes along with shock, the adrenaline and calcium keeps pouring into your heart and causes it to tremor instead of beating normally. In extremely rare cases, this can cause your blood pressure to drop, cause you to slip into unconsciousness, and ultimately cause death. So, major yikes on the uh, the fun fact there. Try and keep your blood pressure to reasonable levels, and don't play too spooky of games, people. I know we try and spend an entire month playing these games, watching horror films nonstop, but that might not be the best thing for us, all right? So, for every spooker-duker, maybe try and, you know, turn on Banjo-Kazooie and play Mad Monster Mansion, or play Pumpkin Jack. My gosh can't stop singing that game's praises and no one out there is playing it it's kind of frustrating to be honest but speaking of mad monster mansion we are going to close out the show with a remix from brent banjo kazooie in the mad monster mansion theme so thank you so much for listening everyone i'll see you in the next episode